fire, fire. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Don, Pete, who's not on screen right now. There I am. Hello. Oh, good Lord. Dame, uh, I tried to do the open with the music, the way we do the music in the open, and surprisingly, it didn't work well. I am so shocked. Who could have foreseen that event? I asked right before I did, I was like, do you have faith in me? And you answered my question with a question, which is generally a sign <laughs> that a person does not have faith. Oh, uh, Derek, hello. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Good to be with you, Derek McLean. Long time to talk to Derek forever. Uh, Danza. Hello, Danza. Good to be with you both. Uh, all right, Dame, here's what's on the show this week. Uh, as is usual, I've got a tight schedule on a Friday. So, hey, Mike, hello. Good to be with you. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, we stream this live Friday noon Eastern. And by noon, I mean 10 a.m. Eastern <laughs> every Friday um, on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and now Twitter. Uh, so we're doing that at Twitter. So you can follow at Pete the Planner. All one word. Why? Well, it's a Twitter handle. Dame, on the show this week, here's what we've got on the lineup. Number one, segment one. Would you work a job for $3,500 a week for six months if the job was a nightmare? We'll explore that. Segment two, why people should actually care about the debt ceiling getting raised. Segment three, should you use your home equity for home improvement? And what are the pros and cons of that? And then, of course, segment four, a bomb and current events. I will also tell you that during the breaks between the radio segments, I have got two doozies in terms of on the road with Peter, the travel log of Peter Dunn. Uh, so uh, two insane stories this week, Dame, both related to me being perceived as creepy. Well, that's not a stretch. No, did I tell you, uh, uh, speaking of creepy, before we get started here, because these two, these are the perception that I'm creepy, which I'm not, but we'll get there. Did I tell you the story about the the young woman who was um, the clerk at the grocery store that I talked to her about her hair? Did I tell you about that? I don't think so. So this is like a month ago. I'm, I'm like, it's after a soccer game or something. I go to the local uh, grocery store and this. I don't know, 19 year old girl, 18 year old woman, whatever you call. Uh, she's there uh, scanning me out. I was going to say checking me out, but I didn't want to say that because then the creepy thing starts to go. And and she's got like this lovely auburn colored red hair. And as I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, that's what my hair used to look like. My hair used to be that color. And so as she's like scanning my items, I go and just trying to be relatable. I go, yeah. I love your hair. My hair used to be that exact same color. And, and the look on her face was just like, what? What's wrong with you? And then Ollie was with me. My daughter was with me. And she looked up at me and she was like, what have you done to this woman? And I'm like, that's how you know. Like, it's so creepy. Like, I was like, the color of your hair used to be the color of the hair I have. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, but I'm not creepy. I'm not, it's not with ill intent. It's not like I want to make a skin suit out of you. No, it's, it just comes, it comes natural. Yeah. I'm naturally creepy, but it's not like ill intent creepy. Right. Totally different. I think it might be. Let's start the show. Okay. Do, 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 do. Are we going to have the spooky ghosts going? I... Sure. I mean, it's we can only do this one month a year. That's true. I think. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> there we go. The ghost is going to be with us the whole time. Perfect. 
Okay, now I got to change. I've got my stuff together. Every time I'm like, hey, I got to hurry today, Dame. It's the first time you've ever done this. (laughs) It does feel like that a lot of times. Okay. In three, two, wait, hold on, not ready. (laughs) Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and we'll answer your question. And we're actually doing that here on the show today. Joining me, as always, is Damian Dunn, no relation. Hello, Dame. Good day, Pete. Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Dame, uh, this week on the show, we're starting here. I was in Boston this past week. And of course, I'm reading my local hometown news in Indianapolis to see what's going on. And this article pops up on WTHR.com. Jobs at Camp Atterbury offering up to $3,500 weekly. Now, I was intrigued. I took the bait. I clicked. And then I read this article that has had me thinking about this nonstop since, uh, well, October 5th. So, Dame, let's walk through it. Let's understand the particulars. And then you and I are, are, are going to walk through how someone is to make the decision to work a job for $3,500 a week with very little uh, skills needed, mm-hmm. with all due respect, mm-hmm. for six months, okay? So let, let's figure it out, like what's involved. So a company, AIM World Services, is offering up to $3,500 a week for janitors, cooks, food service workers, and dishwashers at Camp Atterbury. Now, here's the thing. While that is certainly a lot of money, not all of those positions qualify for that $3,500 a week pay. From the way this article reads, it's the food service workers that are at the top of the food chain. chain. Uh, $3,500 a week to be a food service worker at Camp Atterbury. And and I'm connecting the dots here. This is to serve and provide services to the Afghan refugees who are now living at Camp Atterbury, who were evacuated uh, in an emergency uh, setting from Afghanistan uh, when sort of Afghanistan fell to the Taliban. Uh, So Dame, $3,500 a week. Here's the catch. It's 70 five hours a week so the shifts are six days at 12 hours a day for six months so 26 weeks you're going to make well over ninety thousand dollars i think that it's like 92 or ninety six thousand dollars or something like that over a six month period i want to start with you dame would you take a job first of all you would be you'd be fired from the shop but would you take a job 75 hours a week, you know, going into it for $3,500 a week because you would know within six months you'd make nearly $100,000 go. No, for one reason. I would be away from my family entirely too much for that okay. that period of time. At this phase of my life, that does not sound attractive to me. Okay, Never- so let's say you did not have young duns. <clears throat> and that's not to say that your wife is not young. This got weird. Yeah. Let's say you didn't have children, okay? Would you consider it? Potentially. I mean, I, my wife is a, a CPA. She is not a, a, a stranger to live, working long hours for many parts of the year. And uh, yeah, it's something that we've dealt with. So if there were no kids involved, it might be on the table. All right. How about if you're single? Yeah. 
Totally. I mean, okay. So what, what's fascinating about this to me is they're hiring about a hundred people for these different positions. They range in $3,500 a week to a thousand dollars a week, thousand dollars a week puts you on pace to earn $52,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And again, I respectfully say, uh, this is manual labor, right? I mean, it is not super highly trained technical skills. Although, as you know, there there is some skill involved with uh, with, with certainly manual labor, but mm-hmm. custodial services and sure. dishwashing and those sorts of things. Sure. Um, what this is an interesting thing because a person can completely change their financial life forever, but they have to go through what I would consider to be a nightmare of six days at 12 hour shifts. But it, Dame is maybe I'm in the dark here. Maybe people already work six days a week at 12 hour shifts. So that isn't scaring them. I think there are uh, a number of manual laborers that, that work well into 60, 70 hours a week uh, on a regular basis. And so if that's something that they are, are used to and then, then, then fantastic. I'm not saying that it's not possible. It certainly is possible. Uh, gosh, I, I know plenty of people that have, uh, had a full-time job and a very aggressive part-time job on the side and, and they just make it part of their lifestyle. And that's how they, they pull themselves, um, together or out of a situation that they might've found themselves in. And we've talked about what a, a part-time job is, or, uh, maybe a, a quick change in, in employment to, to try and get your financial ship righted real quick. But that all gets balanced out with the demands that are going to be put on you and those around you. And if, if you're not comfortable being away from your group of people, whether that's family, friends, or whatever it is for essentially six months, probably going to go really, really bad for you. Doesn't this feel like a, some sort of military contractor style gig or a, or a, some sort of deployment where you just got to ment- mentally prepare for what will be very tough work conditions? And the work tough, the tough work conditions, by the way, that I'm describing are being on your feet for 12 hours a day for six days and, and probably being in pretty hot, um, tight quarters. Um, that's got to be mentally challenging. It does make you think what you're willing to do mm-hmm. to improve your financial life. Like I, I know a lot of guys uh, and ladies, for that matter, that have thrown boxes, as they say, sure, um, uh, for UPS or FedEx uh, at the airport uh, as a as an overnight job mm-hmm. uh, to make ends meet. I, of course, know people that bartend and do those sorts of things a few nights a week to to accomplish financial tasks. I just. I'm really trying to get deep within myself to think, all right, first of all, I can't imagine being single. Um, <laughs> that's the toughest part of this. That's exercise. good. That's good. Right. Well, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that. But if I were, does that, would I do something like this? And again, I'm assuming I'm not doing this for a living, but w- is that something I could do? You know who I think this sets up really well for? Somebody who is young and has a business that they are interested in trying to launch themselves and they need some runway. They need to try and get some capital really quick. They're already going to be putting in ridiculous hours trying to launch their own business once they get to that stage. So the time's not that much of a factor in reality for them. But if they can get some debt cleared off the table, maybe bank some cash in the meantime, because if you're working six days a week and you're working 70 some hours, you're not gonna be spending anything. You're going to be sleeping on when you're not working. So you, that money's just going to start accumulating in your bank account, whether it's 
Uh, therefore, the future is you, you do something else or paying off debt to clear the deck for, for whatever you've got in store. But I think this opportunity would set up really well for somebody in that position. I think that someone that has just left the military or something mm-hmm. like that could be interesting. But of course, you've then you've got the the aspects of your back on a military base. Uh, I mean, there could be a lot of uh, sort of a mental burden if you're trying to get get part from that. But yeah, yeah, you know, Dave, this is also again, this is the idea of as I've said, what are you willing to do to eliminate your past or to set yourself up for the future? or to take control of your present. Now we're, we're getting to job season, right? And I mean that by in terms of uh, seasonal employment. Pete, workers are gonna be needed more than now everywhere. And workers are already needed. You've got the holiday shopping season. You're already gonna have supply chain issues which are gonna make it a difficult time. So we said it this summer, but it's especially true in the fall going into holiday season if you need to make ends meet, come up with a plan, figure out exactly how much money you have to make, go make it, and then get out of there. And is there ever a better opportunity to do that? And I again, I'm, I'm saying this knowing that I'm coming from a point of privilege. I say this with respect. There has never a, been a better time to get your stuff together than right now. Totally and it's with that. We go to break. Coming up after the break, why the debt ceiling matters. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. I almost missed that break. Almost. But I didn't. All right, Dame, do you want the first creepy travel story or the second creepy travel story? Oh, let's go with the first. Okay, well, here's the choice. Uh, You can have, they're both really good. One's longer than the other, and one is laugh out loud funny, while the other one is like, that's unfortunate. Which one do you want? That's unfortunate. All right, Dame. So uh, I check in to my hotel uh, in Boston this week. And I'm in one of those hotels where you have to put your key card in the elevator before it will let you access the floors, right? And that's great um, for safety, whatever, who cares? But it's also sort of burdensome for someone with bags and all sorts of things they're carrying. So I check in, I go to my room go out on a walk, come back. This woman probably, I don't know, late 50s, 60s. <laughs> Either that or she's lived, she's in her 20s and she'd lived really hard. Uh, that seemed, that seemed Auburn, unnecessarily rude. Didn't Auburn it? hair. Yeah, Auburn hair. Beautiful. And so she had her hands filled with bags and stuff. And and we're entering the elevator at the same time. So I pop my card in, right? And I, and I was like, what floor? Uh, I'll, I'll hit it for you, you know, just as a courtesy. And she goes, oh, no, you put your floor in first. And I, and I, I, it, I was like, I thought she was just being funny. But then it occurred to me, she thought I was a creep mm-hmm. and I was going to follow her to her room. Now, I realized that men have caused this problem by mm-hmm. being horrible humans and following women to the rooms. But there was a lot of, I mean, in this moment, it was all happened very fast. Like she had just read a brochure on elevator safety. Number two, she took me to be the sort of person that was going to follow her to a room. And it was just, and then I, I was, I felt awkward. But then the rest of the day, I was like, man, men suck. <laughs> right. 
Was it just the two of you on the elevator? Yes. If she was that concerned, why'd she get on the elevator with you? I don't know. And then, like, I don't want to be overcritical of her. She didn't do anything wrong, but sure. I didn't do anything wrong. I was trying to help her out. I mean, I think that's fantastic situational awareness from her, but uh, yikes. I mean, I know you know Krav Maga, but I can't handle myself. No, she could have wiped the floor with you. Uh, I did want to hit all the buttons. I that was yeah. like an elf. <laughs> part of part of me thought that was exactly where you were going with no, that. No, 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 no. I didn't want to. I didn't want to traumatize her, but it was like one of those. Oh, yeah. It, uh, our colleague uh, Chad was on the trip with me. And we were sort of talking about like airline safety and TSA, and it's like. I, we may may have had this conversation before. Can you imagine when when commercial flight just became a thing and people were dressing up, getting on planes, mm-hmm. and it's like amazing? No one imagined that this new amazing technology and luxury would be turned into a weapon. Where if you try to tell someone who got on the, one of the first commercial air flights, hey, someday people are going to try to blow these up and wreck them into things, and then everyone is going to have to prove that they won't do that prior to get on an airline. That's wild, right? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so sad. It's 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 wild. I don't know. This has nothing to do with our show. What happens when we're on the road? I just think, and that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go, Dame. Why the debt ceiling? Why the debt ceiling matters? <laughs> that was my Ted Kennedy. Since I was just in Boston. Okay. And three. Two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, I don't know if you heard, but there's uh, a debacle over the debt ceiling once again. Uh, The debt ceiling being how much the government is able to borrow. It needs to be raised because if it doesn't uh, get raised, then the government will be unable to pay some of its obligations. And so what I wanted to do is talk through this a little bit, see what is really at stake. My job isn't to convince people that it should be raised. My goal is to help you understand what happens if it doesn't get raised. Uh, the, the debt ceiling has been raised numerous times, numerous, dozens, and it's been raised, it was three, raised three times under the previous administration, the tr- Trump administration. So I know we love to make things political and, and uh, make it binary between parties, but every party who has been in charge has raised the debt ceiling. Um, and so I want to understand what would happen if the debt ceiling didn't get raised. Now, for, to my current understanding, Dame, do, are you uh, are you hip to what's currently happening right now? I believe I am. You want to give it a spin? Yeah. So uh, spending has is going to cap itself out. We have enough obligations going forward that. Um, we needed to increase the limit on our credit card. I know that's a horrible personal finance uh, analogy, but it's essentially what it has. We we need to get a raise in our credit limit so we can continue to pay our obligations. That can't happen without a, an agreement between the houses of Congress and, and the, uh, the president. So what we are doing, uh, floated a bill through. I believe it was agreed to in the Senate last night. Uh, this is Friday the 8th, by the way. Um, I don't think it's gone through the house yet, but uh, we will get that through and we will get uh, some additional spending. I think it's just under $500 billion, if I remember correctly. Yep. And that will get us not very far down the road and we'll have to revisit this all over again. Yeah. And I, I think 
what sometimes can happen is if there's one party in control and the other one can mess things up, they can make it seem like you can lay this problem at the feet of the pro- the, the party in control, right? They, they can they can sort of bluster and say, um, well, let's let, let this thing go down. That way we can say this went down under their watch. Now, that is one thing they do, and I'm not being so cynical as to suggest that's the only reason people would uh, uh, oppose this. The other one is, People are are fiscally conservative. They they don't want to raise the debt limit by five hundred billion dollars. Um, it is, I believe, the Fourteenth Amendment of our Constitution that requires the government to pay its obligations. And so, this isn't just uh, a political issue. It's not just a financial issue. It becomes a constitutional law issue. And I say that as someone who is not a social media constitutional law expert, like so many people tend to be these days. So there is also this theory that even if the debt limit wasn't raised, the president could theoretically um, have the Treasury issue bonds anyway to raise more money, uh, which would allow us to pay our bills. But then the Supreme Court would have to take up the case to say whether that debt issuance was legal. And this is something that has been mildly entertained by previous administrations, but it never got to the point where it was going to have to happen. Here's what would happen uh, if the debt ceiling was not raised. I'm going to just go through a list of things just so people know. And I want you to remember this now. And I want you to remember this the next time this happens, which will be what? Next year? The year after? I think it's December that this is projected to get us to. Okay, yeah. So it's five oh four hundred and eighty billion yeah. is the extension. And then so this is gonna happen all over again in December. And here we go. This uh, information comes from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a nonpartisan organization. Hey, when you read nonpartisan organization, um, are we so skeptical that we don't believe it's a nonpartisan organization? To- totally. Okay. Fifteen million seniors could stop receiving Social Security payments or they would see delays. Thirty million families could stop receiving uh, President Biden's expanded child tax credit payments or see delays. Let's put a note in that one and come back to that one. Okay. Okay. U.S. military service members could stop receiving paychecks. Veterans. I struggle to say that word. Veterans. Benefits could stop or be delayed. Postal workers and federal employees could stop receiving paychecks. The United States credit worthiness could be downgraded, spiking interest rates, which would raise mortgage, car, and credit card payments. Doubt in the typically reliable U.S. currency could tank the markets, hurting 401ks and other investments. The S&P 500 lost 17% in the months surrounding the last debt ceiling standoff. Let's put a pin in that one, too. FEMA funding for hurricane and wildlife vic- wildlife wildfire victims could stop. I, wildlife victims, I don't think there's a lot of funding <laughs> for wildlife victims, but wildfire victims. Public health funding for pandemic mitigation efforts could be cut off, and child nutrition program and other food assistance could stop. Okay, let's go back to our first point. Uh the expanded child tax credit thing. I will start with a question to you. Damien, in your expert opinion, based on what you know about the personal finances of Americans and how uh, uh, 
vulnerable they are at times and how cash flow works at the lower end of the income spectrum. Do you believe the advanced child tax credit program will end up extending beyond December 15th of 2021? I do. Again, I'm not asking whether you think that is good or bad. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. simply asking, do you think it will happen? And I have come to the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. I absolutely think that will become a thing. And I also have to note as well, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It is still a zero dollar change and how things work because people still get the tax credit. I mean, this is all money people get at tax time in the form of a tax refund. They're just getting it advanced to them now. And I'm sure there are conflicting reports, but the reports that I have read have suggested that this has been a really good thing for uh, child poverty and child nutrition. Uh, So I think that'll keep up. The second thing I wanted to put a pen in and we're going to revisit here is the fact that the S&P 500 lost 17% in the months surrounding the last debt ceiling standoff. That would absolutely happen again, right? I mean, people panic and freak out. I'm not sure the way this is, is written, though, that we can assign all of the blame for the S&P 500 going around down 17% around the month surrounding the debt ceiling thing as the cause. Like correlation does not make causation, you know? Yeah, I think there's probably some other factors that were in play during that uh, last round of, of increasing debt ceiling. I would have to look and to see what, what month that was and what time period and what else was going on. But um, I would totally expect the markets to pull back during that time period. 17%? Possibly, but there's usually a a confluence of circumstances that would make that happen. Do you remember 2019 when there was an actual government shutdown Mm -hmm. um, and 800,000 federal employees were impacted? We we did some work with our Mm -hmm. congressmen to help federal employees deal with their financial lives uh, as we all try to help each other go through those tough times. The 800,000 federal employees did nothing wrong. It's just Mm -hmm. the Congress could not come to terms on a spending plan. This is not that. The debt ceiling is not that. This isn't about uh, the, the cash flow of the, the fiscal year, the budget. This is uh, about being able to pay our obligations uh, that we've already made and so uh, our debt obligations. So this doesn't just affect 800,000 people. It affects the you know hundreds of millions of people <laughs> that I just mentioned there. If you have a 401k, if you have a mortgage, if you have a credit card, the rates and, and uh indexes and all those things would uh, be affected with this. So Dame, it's with that, that you and I will revisit this exact same conversation in two months. Good job, Congress. Keep it up. I will note, you know, people, some people there just like, let's just let the whole thing burn. You know, a lot of people feel that way. That doesn't make them the majority, but there are people that feel that way. Coming up after the break, home equity. Should you use it to improve your home? I'm Pete the Planner, and we'll talk about that next sort of a weird outro if i'm being honest Uh, if we're in a state of true transparency here i think it's important to note that i once subscribed to the let it burn uh ideology this is probably four or five years ago it's like well what's the worst could happen it's like you know i'm somewhat fiscally conservative that of that time i was certainly more fiscally conservative than i am now and I thought, well, yeah, let's just press reset. It's just a reset. It doesn't really work that way, though. I, it's, it, there's no mechanism to press reset. No, and I, I think you and I would both agree, and 
uh, some people may be really glad to hear this, that it's not unreasonable for people to want their government to be fiscally sound and potentially even conservative with, with uh, their spending. So uh, certainly where I fall, uh, I saw, gosh, I saw a list of potential Republican presidential candidates in the next, because of course, uh, you know, sure. we're a couple of years away. So why not start projecting stuff like that? Um, I got, I thought, I thought of the conversations that you and I have had about who we would love to see in positions on either side of the aisle to, to make this. And one of the people that you and I are both very fond of is somebody uh, from the state of Indiana who is very, very good fiscally. And I, he was nowhere on that list, of course, but, yeah. um, man, I would love to see somebody make a run at it who could really, really just focus on domestic sorts of issues and spending being one of them and trying to get things more in line. But that ship may have sailed. Pete. Yeah. No, I think yeah, he's out of it. No, no, I mean, not even for him, just uh, in no. general. I, yeah. the, the spending uh, may, may just be a thing of the past and we're arguing over where the dollars are going at this point. Second creepy travel story. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. This is the laugh out loud one, right? Um, I mean, you well, said that you said that last segment. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, so make sure everybody in the comments, if you don't laugh out loud, just reply with a meh. I told the story to Oz this morning, and she laughed out loud. Or yesterday. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, you ready? So, as part of this conference that I was at, the entertainment was a dinner cruise. Uh, in Boston Harbor. So I'm on a giant dinner cruise liner. It was really nice big boat. It's called like the Boston Odyssey or something like that. So, you know, you're eating dinner and then there's a DJ there and there's a dance floor and people begin to dance. So one of my friends uh, who's at the conference, I see her over there dancing. She's dancing with this other woman and I'm having my conversation with, with sort of my table. There's four people there. I'm being one of them. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a couple more people come over to the dance floor. And then one of our, my friends at my table, Cherie, she says, um, oh, my God, look at that guy. And I was like, okay, turn around. And then all of four of us at the same time, it hit us. This person from the back looks exactly like me. Exactly <laughs> like me. So it's at about this time he starts getting handsy with one of the women he's dancing with on the dance floor. Seconds later, the table behind us, this woman goes, oh my God, look at Pete the Planner. Their whole table turns, because I was the keynote speaker at this event, of which I was I was paid to be there. Like I'm the, hey, uh, not, not, not a weird flex here. I was the big star of the show, right? So this table's like, oh my God. And then they see me sitting right there, like, oh my God. That guy looks exactly like you. So then the the head of the entire event, about two minutes later, if we're all just laughing, comes over here to me and she goes, we all thought that was you. Like all the directors of this event. And, and, and they were like, man, Pete, the planner's really letting his freak flag fly. Like he's out on the dance floor, like getting handsy with this woman. So not only did this guy look a lot like me, but he, and no one knows this part, but he was wearing a sweater that I own. <laughs> no one knew that, but I'm now going to show you a picture that I took with this gentleman after the debacle was figured out. I, I have video evidence, audio uh, here. So here we go. This is a picture of me and the guy. Do you see it, yeah, Dave? Yeah, I do. 
And so uh, we, we look enough alike that if you turn around on the side, it's just a shaved, bald white man head. Okay. Oh my gosh. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a video of him dancing <laughs> that someone took and then posted on the app to the conference questioning whether I was dancing with this woman. Oh my you, goodness. How does this stuff happen to me? Are you I ready? Was, I was really hoping the, the picture you were going to show was the two of you from the back. Okay. Watch the guy in the green sweater. It's hard to see, but look at him. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's all on the far side. Don't worry about the guy running up like a... Yeah, I don't know what Yo that Gabba is. Yo Gabba Gabba character. But the guy in the green, he's just getting it. Can you believe that? So here are all these people on the boat that, that weren't in on it, thought I was getting handsy with this woman. Turns out the woman is the man's wife. Oh, see, it has a good ending. That is the good ending. It's not a story about affairs at conferences. That's a whole other show. I see. I I think it, you need to keep that guy's phone number for double work in case you need need somebody to do a, a event for you. You did laugh out loud. I want you to know. I did. <laughs> I did. I don't know how in the world this stuff happens to me. There's always something crazy. As long as everybody knows all the details and didn't think that you were a creeper. But that's the thing. It's like as we just talked about previously. I'm. I somehow am accidentally creepy, but I'm not like outwardly like creepy. Right. I think it's my age. Yeah, you're kind of right in that uh, sweet spot for creepiness, isn't it? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I think there's like this like inherent, like a middle-aged white man creepiness that's out there, you know? And I think I got it. Hmm. Do you, well, I don't view you as creepy though, and we're the same thing. I just don't publicize all my creepy stories oh i bet yours are creepier then probably oh okay let's start the show okay <laughs> oh my god e okay three not ready really surprising hmm. two one. back on the pete the planner show dame uh we got an email at the email in bag box bag Oh, creepy. Uh, for the show, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. It's from Dara or Dara. How do you think it's pronounced D-A-R-A? Dara. Dara? Yeah. Dara. So like it's Sarah, Dara. Eh, that's true. Sarah, well, Dara. One of us is right. Dear Pete, what are your thoughts on getting a home equity loan or line of credit to update current home while rates are low or should we stick with the slow cash flow approach process so not to incur debt thank you dara 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 dura uh all right so well i i'll just i'll, I'll start with you dame do you have a do you have a rule of thumb that you want to share do you think that the current interest rates and the housing market uh, are informative to your rule of thumb like where are you at um we hear people ask us about um, taking a home equity loan or line of credit for a number of things these days, whether it's school loans, whether improving a house, da, 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 da. Once upon a time, the interest on a home equity loan was deductible. It is only deductible now for funds that are going to be used directly for the house. So in that respect, okay, I mean, that's one tick in the in the pro column. I, sure. I know you're a big fan of T-charts, Pete, so we'll, we'll, like we'll put a... 
put all right. on. I'm making a, a t-chart. Hold on. Okay. Ooh, all right. Making a t-chart here. Pros and cons. Home equity. Pro. Um, deductible interest uh, for used for to improve the house. So yeah. if I use it for like buying uh, tickets to a dinner cruise in Boston or something like that, that is theoretically not deductible. It's not even theoretically. It's not deductible. How would you be able to prove that one way or the other? Oh, like, yeah. How would you be able to prove that? Uh, mm, there's some really bad tax advice and sayings I could give right now that I won't. Uh, but because you're married uh, to an accountant. Yes. Okay. So next, what, what else? Okay. So that's one pro. Okay. Uh, funds are available immediately. Uh, you funds don't have to, available. you don't have to postpone, uh, the, uh, the work that you want done. Buy now, pay later is what you're saying? Essentially. Yes. <laughs> okay. Funds available immediately. Okay. Um, Pot- right. poten- potentially, uh, increase the value of your home. Okay. I like the word potentially. Because we know, I've done segments on this show for a lot of times so over the years about what specific home improvements are that give you the best bang for your buck. Now, I have to say, though, I haven't done one of those in at least five years, maybe longer. I think that's possibly changed. I, I think just the way people spend money and the, what a home buyer looks at could could be different. It was always kitchens and, and bathrooms. bathrooms. Yep. And I yeah, still think that's true, but there's some outdoor spaces that I think matter a lot now too. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I, I bet kitchens and bathrooms are still right up there in the top, top three or four for sure. But uh, yeah, maybe some landscaping, hardscaping stuff, and uh, I don't know the the uh, home offices now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't like the term hardscaping. I just wanted to put that out there. Fair enough. I, it's not your fault. You didn't come up with it. No. I think it's because it's really discreet. It's actually really great. I just like, it's just too tight for me. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, just too clever. Huh. I've never been accused of being too clever. Okay. What other pros? You got any pros that you can come up with uh, for your list for this list to Pete? Um, I mean, the funds available now is also, uh, it's another way of saying that is like you get to enjoy it now mm-hmm. while you're paying it off. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is worth a disclosure here. Uh, when Mrs. Planner and I were going to finish our basement years and years ago, we specifically saved for it. Mm-hmm. Like we said it as a, we're going to do this. And then we actively saved money to get it done and then wrote a check to pay for the whole thing as opposed to what we're talking about now. So I, I just like to get that out there. Not that I'm right and you're wrong or anyone's mm-hmm. wrong. It's just right. get it out there. The cons, the cons are, I'm going to go. The first con I have is that construction uh, prices are really high and that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stay high, but it just seems like you're buying at the top of the market. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's legit. What do you think about the, the low interest rate argument there? I mean, that would be a pro, right? I mean, it's, sure. you, you get cheap money, but of course the alternative is that you, as you go to save that money, it's not like you're going to get an equivalent rate of return on your money that will help you save the money. Right. Yeah. Because this is very short term money uh, that we're looking at. So you're not going to invest into the stock market or anything of that nature because too much volatility, too much exposure to volatility that could make it take longer to achieve your goal. So uh, no, the the interest rates uh, 
very positive on the the negative interest of the negative interest rate the the low interest rate if you decide to borrow the cash what do you think about this idea of the backlog of getting on getting in the queue getting on a person's schedule is that a negative or is that a positive by like doing it now gets you in the queue Ah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, you might be able to hop the line a little bit if you're able to bring cash to the to the meeting uh, for that. So potentially, I mean, the, the other the other side of this is how long is the housing market going to stay hot? We don't know. And it, is it possible that you end up uh, you still got your mortgage and then you take out another line of credit and then let's say the housing market swings the other way? Is it possible you end up underwater on your house? Yeah. That happened so much in 2005, 2006, 2007. So much. Yeah. I don't think anybody would argue that we are really, really high on inflation or on uh, real estate prices right now. And so I, it's, it's reasonable to think that we're going to have a pullback at some point. So uh, I would be really cautious on how much you take out on a credit, line of credit for this. I actually wrote an Indianapolis Business Journal column this week about do you consider the equity in your home or do you can uh, part of your net worth, right? Mm -hmm. Do you consider your and my answer was it well, depends on what you're using your net worth to try to, to figure out. But a part of this evaluation process is do you view an the particular asset as an investment? Are you willing to sell it at some point in time? Mm -hmm. And so do you think that plays into this question too of if the person's viewing their home as an investment and this will improve the resale value? I think oftentimes people say that, but they have no intention on selling it. Do you think that matters? Yeah, I totally do. I, I think that's a really good point that I was hoping I was going to make before you to sound intelligent. But yeah. um, if you're not planning on selling the house, then you better not be saying, well, I'm going to get a X percent return on investment by, by updating this kitchen or bathroom or whatever it is, because frankly, it don't matter. That's true. It's just about enjoyment. And I think that's what the pandemic home spending was really mm -hmm. about was like, okay, well, we're here. Let's enjoy the space more. Right. I, I don't think many people during the pandemic were like, this will increase our property value. People just wanted to be at home. They wanted to enjoy the space more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, frankly, it was probably the better option than going out and overspending on another house at that point. Do you feel like if they were to write a check, they would be more um, sensitive to costs and more sensitive to getting a good, fair deal with good value in it as opposed to writing a blank check and then paying it off later? It's a loaded question because that's how I feel. <laughs> I do. I, I think when you are writing a check for money, you have toiled to save and set aside. Uh, you're going to be a lot more concerned with where that money is going rather than uh, accessing a, a, a pot of cash that you can use for, for X, Y, and Z. And then you're just going to pay it back over a course of X number of years at a few hundred bucks a month. I, I think it's, it's really, really reasonable to think that somebody who has saved the cash and set it aside ahead of time is going to be uh, way more conscious of how that money's being spent. All right. So what's our conclusion with less than a minute left in this segment for Dara, 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 do we think it makes sense? I mean, it, there's a, obviously a big depends here, mm -hmm. but there are no major red flags that says this is a horrible idea. Don't consider it. I think the fact that there are low interest rates is a good thing. Uh, I think this, the scary thing is the increased price of construction materials and labor. Um, 
but you can't say that waiting and saving the money is going to solve that problem. No, I, I think um, it's, a, it's like you said, it's just a big depends question. I hate giving that answer, but I think that's where we fall. I do too. I really do. But I would rather do that than just give general advice that doesn't serve anyone. Coming up after the break, more general advice that doesn't serve anyone. I'm Pete the Planner. That was good. <laughs> that was funny. All right. So I had a guy blow my mind on a call yesterday with a phrase that I want to see if I can remember it and, and share it with you. So this is a person that I'm considering hiring to do some consulting for our organization, right? And part of the onboarding process to figure out if they can help is that you know, we had our initial calls, 30, 45 minutes, and then we're going to have a deeper call that's 90 to minutes to two hours, right? Next week. And he said, as we're picking the time, we pick the time. He said, look, this next session is free. It does not cost anything. It's part of our process. Because the only thing is I ask is that you treat that time like you're paying for it. And I was like, oh, my God. That is good. That is good. Hmm. Right? Interesting. Because I just know that people tend to take things more seriously when mm-hmm. they have to measure the experience with against the value they perceive that they're getting from the experience based on what they paid. Totally. If you go to a restaurant and uh, you pay a hundred dollars a plate for a, a dinner and it comes back and you thought, well, it would have been good for $50 a plate. You, know, you gotta, you gotta try and assign value to the time that you are, are spending or the, the, the good. And in this case, I think that's, a fantastic concept to keep in mind for the next 90 to 120 minutes on that phone call. Now, this is probably an off the air conversation that you and I should have. I wonder if our callers to our, to your money line who their employers pay for their thing. I wonder if that gives a weird vibe or if there's any utility in that of saying, look, I, your company is paying for this. Our hope is in this conversation that, that you're acting, I don't know. Is there any value? Maybe we should talk about that off the air. Maybe. Seems like a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Yes. Uh, I have thoughts. We will talk later. Yeah, it seems like it could be cheesy. I mean, yeah. hey, welcome to our business, everybody. Mm. All right, Dame. Let's do the show. Okay, so I'm ready if you are. Well, first, I'm skeptical. Okay, three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, this week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is... Now, Dame, during the break, I told you a story in the Facebook Live audience story about my time on a dinner boat in Boston this past week, the Boston Odyssey. Because I'm a tedious individual, I read the reviews of the Boston Odyssey before I went on the Boston Odyssey. And is uh, tradition these days, there are a tremendous number of just really unhelpful reviews one woman gave and this is the biggest waste of money of the week is this woman's spend (laughs) she gave the boston odyssey one star be stating some i I should find it i should have found it that said something to the effect of i couldn't find parking uh miss the boat that's a waste of four hundred dollars and i thought 
how is this Boston Odyssey's problem? Why would you leave that review? Do they control Boston, the, the harbor uh, uh, parking area? And how is that their problem? It wasn't at all. So she, biggest waste of money a week was her spending $400 and it's her fault. It's not Boston Odyssey dinner cruise. It's like the, I, I, I love terrible reviews. I love to read them because they make me mad. <laughs> I read this once. This person said, I stood up from the restaurant and hit my head on the chandelier. Don't go there. Like she was at her table at a restaurant. And there was like a low hanging chandelier. She hit her head on it. She's like, no one should eat there. And I've been to this restaurant. I know exactly what she's talking about. It's her fault. No, Nothing is anybody's fault anymore, Pete. I also had a friend who owns a restaurant, not the one that everyone thinks I'm talking about, a different one, truly. And and he was telling me that um, th this group came in. The, the restaurant typically doesn't serve a lot of children. It's more of an adult restaurant, which is different than like an adult movie theater. It's an mm -hmm. adult restaurant. Uh, anyway, uh, so the kid orders a salad off the menu. It's a delicious salad. I've had the salad, but it's sort of a gourmet salad, right? I mean, sort of like a, a tastes for adults. Server comes over. Oh, uh, Timmy, Timmy, you enjoying the salad? Tim, no, I don't like it. Timmy's mom's like, he doesn't like it. Can you make him something else? Server's like, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get him a different salad. Brings the salad over. They like that salad. Check comes. Both salads are on there. And then the, the people were like, you can't charge us for both salads. It's like, you ordered another salad. Nothing was wrong with the salad. He just didn't like the salad. And then they left a terrible review saying they made us pay for both salads. And it's like, I want to review the reviewer. You're a terrible diner. You remember that uh, old quaint saying the customer is always right? That can go right into the Boston Harbor. Yeah. Dane, what's in the news? Uh, do, you, do you have the, uh, the siren sound queued up so we can play that? Uh, oh my gosh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could come up with in the time you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. It's not great. <laughs> The uh, U.S. Department of Education is streamlining its most criticized loan forgiveness program, making it easier for more than half a million borrowers who work in public sector jobs to have their loans canceled. Is that, is that the ghost beside you or a siren? I don't know. The changes to the public service loan forgiveness program will help alleviate problems caused by complicated eligibility rules, loan servicing errors, and other technicalities, the Education Department said. Most of the improvements stem from a temporary waiver running through October 22nd. Uh, sorry, October 2022. That'd be a short timetable. Uh, it expands what is considered um, a payment and that also would count towards forgiveness. Altogether, the Education Department estimates the changes announced Wednesday will help at least 550,000 borrowers automatically qualify for forgiveness uh, faster, including some 22,000 who will be immediately eligible to have a combined $1.4 billion in loans canceled. The government also estimates there are about 27,000 borrowers who could see roughly $2.8 billion forgiven if they can show they were employed in an eligible job. Uh, we live in that world. Like We, we help people with public service stone, uh, student loan forgiveness all the time. Like It's literally part of our business model. Um, this will be helpful. 
to help people get student loan, more people student loans forgiven. The program is actually no simpler, just, no. just so you know. Yeah. Like, it just makes more people eligible for a really complicated program, and we will continue to navigate the waters for our clients. Dame, what else is in the news? Well, uh, many consumers are unhappy that car insurers use their credit histories in setting premium rates. Now, an alternative is in sight, and some might like it even less. Insurers Social media. Would, uh, close. Insurers would be able to track how, when, and where they drive. Oh. Since late summer, car insurer Allstate has been taking, uh, talking to state regulators about helping to lead an industry-wide effort to transition in the coming years from sizing up risk in applicants with factors including credit scores to largely using telematics to determine rates. With telematics, insurers monitor policyholders' driving behaviors either through smartphone applications or devices embedded in their vehicles. Insurers slice the tracking data to tailor individual rates. Okay, here's my thoughts on this. A person could theoretically... I use that word too much. A person could say, I'm okay with that. And because I'm okay with that, I want a lower rate. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like that plug and play thing that you see, like you'd plug it into your car. Right. It would take your speedometer and stuff like that. So I think on the surface, I have no problem with this. I think where it gets hairy is requiring it. Do, do you feel differently? If somebody wants to opt in, yeah, I've got, I've got no problem with that. But to require it, I'm I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, I know there's a yeah. I don't know if I have a problem with this if you opt in at all, because I, I feel like both parties are saying, go ahead, go, yeah. go ahead. And the other party's like, we will, we will, we will. And then and then you hear a siren down there, <laughs> like that, yeah. right? Yeah, I actually know somebody who uh, entered into this agreement with their insurance company already, and they are tracked, I think, through their cell phone, if I remember correctly. You do? What you sort of buried the lead here? Why didn't you tell me about this? Or are you making this up? No, I have known him for a very long time. I think he and his all, everybody, all the drivers in his family, have an app on their phone that monitors how, when, where they drive. Wow. Wonder if they then sell that data to advertisers. They have to, right? Uh, I mean, they should. I mean, that's the genius part of this. Yes. Oz, get Allstate on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way it works around here. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Oz being our coworker who would get all state on the phone. And she could do it too. Oh, she absolutely could do it with a smile. Dane, what else is in the news? BlackRock is putting annuities in American workers 401ks. The investment giant said five employers have signed up for a new retirement product that will allow workers to receive a stream of payments for the rest of their lives. A small number of 401k plans currently Incorporate annuities. Employers who offer retirement plans worry about annuities' complexity and their cost, and about being sued if the insurer that stands behind the annuity fails to make payments. A 2019 law now protects many employers from legal liability. Pete, I've got a gob of other information on this if you really want me to go through it. However, I think you and I can make some in relatively informed comments. I'm curious what you think about it. I'll say this. Um, I have absolutely no problem with this, um, and and here's why: accumulation is the period of time in which money goes into your to your four hundred one k. We'll say here, like it goes in, it goes in. Oh, it's going in, it's going in. Now I'm retiring. Now we're to the distribution phase. Mm-hmm. You would not believe how much people misunderstand the distribution phase. They're like, "Where's my check? 
there, there's no actual mechanism to just send you a check. It has to be managed. Mm -hmm. This gets a mechanism similar to a pension to a defined benefit plan. And yes, it's going to cost more. And yes, there's other risks, but I, I have no problem with this. I will tell you, uh, one of the fees or one of the things that would come up with are fees and that these contracts are really, really reasonably priced. They are. Can you tell me? Uh, 10 bips. Oh, that's, that's a steal. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we have time for this week on the Pizza Planner Show. I got Damien to laugh at least two or three times this yeah. week. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. And this is the show. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this is how I know I've had the right amount of caffeine. <laughs> uh, the 10, 10 basis points is nothing for this. So they're going to use um, target date funds for a lot of it, uh, for getting people to the point where they would get into the annuity. Um, the fees could rise, but they'd be capped to about 16. Hmm. I, I, I literally have no problem with this. I mean, a lot of times in the qualified money, let's get super, uh, in the weeds here. So people, we lose everybody here in the qualified money space. There's a lot of, uh, issues with putting in a uh, an annuity inside of a tax qualified vehicle because you, you get sort of t double tax benefits that you don't need because one already has the tax benefits and you have to pay to get that. And so that becomes uh, pretty controversial actually in the financial planning world. But the point of this is not to get additional tax benefits. The point of this is to have a structured payment mechanism on the back end at distribution, which is why I have no problem with it. Yeah, this is just structuring somebody's distribution phase and potentially cuts out the need for a financial advisor. <laughs> sure, I mean, there's that. Uh, Andy loves your spooky voices. Appreciate oh, you, Andy. Thanks thank you, Andy. Uh, Andy's got a great podcast. Yeah. Send people his podcast. It's, it's much better than ours. Yeah, uh, Andy, if you want to plug it in the comments, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Marriage, kids, and money. Marriage, kids, and money. Dame's been on that podcast. I've been on that podcast, I think. Um, Andy, it's great. I, didn't he just win an award or he wins awards for wins having awards a better podcast? Yeah. yeah. He, he, his show wins is an award-winning show that yeah. ours is not. I think he actually won the 2020 award for much better than the Pizza Planner show. I think it actually says that on the plaque. It's reasonable. If not, we can make a plaque and send it to him to put well, over we the real plaque. You know what we should do is have a bunch of plaques made up for people with podcasts and be like, you won the You're Better Than Our Show Award. Can we send him one of our awards? The Golden Peters? Yeah. Sure. I mean, they're out of print. Anyway, I, I got to go. Okay. Damien, anything you want to say to the peeps? Stay getting money. Oh, gee, many Christmas. I mean, it, 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 can you imagine someone in a network television show saying the person's tagline over them during a show? What you going to do? I don't even want to say it, but I got to. I hope everyone on here has a good week. Dame, I hope you have a good week next week. Uh, Dame will not be here next week, so the show will be better. All right, everybody. Stay getting money. <laughs>